on today's episode. I think that we have a lot of work to do in Latin America. We are just starting the, the gender pay gap is enormous. You know, I have been working from home for four years now. So for me, it was not like a very uh, shocking thing. So it's super cool. I love my work. <laughs> I love what I do now. I'm David Bevis and you're listening to Mexico Over the Wall, a podcast about Mexico from the other side. My next guest is from Mexico City and lives in Mexico City, which means this is the first time I've interviewed someone who isn't an expat on this podcast. I'll let her introduce herself. My name is Paulina Lopez Noriega. And uh, I am in charge of uh, diversity and inclusion for Dell in Latin America. Okay. And uh, what, what kind of things does that involve you doing? Okay. Well, uh, we have a lot of things that relate to diversity and inclusion. And uh, some of them uh, are the ERGs. The, those uh, are the employee resource groups. And... Um, we have 13 in, I mean, worldwide. And in Latin America, we have representation of nine of them. And these ERGs are, you know, groups of people that get together with, um, you know, the same interests. And then they start doing things for the company. And the interesting part is that we have so much difference of uh, people's and um, uh, people and point of views that that enriches a lot the things that we do with the ERGs. For example, we have Women in Action, we have Planet, we have Truability that it's for people with uh, disabilities, we have uh, Connexus that it's for remote workers, and uh, that's been a huge thing that we have had now with uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, we have another one that it's called interfaith that mixes different faiths that is not usual to see that in the um, workspace. We have um, Gen X for, you know, like the, the first uh, generations of people that uh, is coming to work for the first time. And that at some point right now here at Dell, we have like five, de five different generations working at the same time. <laughs> and uh, well, so on and, 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 and so on. Uh, we have uh, nine here represented in Latin America and we have uh, a total of 13. So we do that and uh, many, many more things through the ERGs. And for example, we also have a training that the chief diversity officer, Adele, he calls that training, it's a, a foundational learning. It's like, it's like the basics. So we started doing this training like four years ago. And it's addressed to the people that uh, works for Dell. And it's um, the objective is that you start 
noticing or you make conscious, you, um, you detect all the biases that you bring to the table and that really affect uh, on, a, on a professional uh, or business setting. Right. So uh, we do that. We started with uh, the first line of uh, executives and then we started to cascade down this. We trained, um, I would say, like more than 95% of the managers. I mean, people that have direct reports. And now we are going to be doing that with every single employee at Dell. I mean, worldwide. So that that's a very cool project. I like it very much. And we have uh, that. Um, and it had different um, models. And it's a training that takes like four hours. And it goes like really fast. Like you can't believe how fast it goes. It's really cool. And that's so on. We have a, a lot of, uh, of things uh, related to diversity and inclusion because that is not the same. It cannot, I mean, diversity cannot exist without inclusion. It goes, it's like related. And um, we also have different programs that not all of them applies to Latin, apply to Latin America, but uh, we are trying to get them here. And um, diversity and inclusion for Dell are part of our social impact prog- uh, program. And uh, then you have another pillars that play a, a role there. Okay. And uh, and how prepared do you think Mexico and Latin America are for, for, for that kind of approach? You know, it's a, it's a very good question. I think that it depends on the company. I mean, for example, we have companies that have been reaching out to us with a lot of questions because we are we are being like a like first respondents, if I can say it like that, if I can put it like, like that. We we are opening the path for other companies, and they are starting to put um, you know to pay attention a lot to what um, companies um, like Dell or other big companies that are, um, you know, global, what are they doing? And for example, I have been in touch with different companies trying to learn uh, from Dell. But how is in Latin America and in Mexico, I think that we are just starting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was talking to someone a few days ago saying like, you know, this, this, um, this is a very new, um, position. I mean, and most of the, the diversity and, and inclusion positions usually report into, uh, human resources. But for example, at Dell, we report to sales because one of the things that Michael Dell says is that, um, that diversity and inclusion are a business imperative, not only something like it's a nice to have, and uh, it's like what we are, not only what we do, it's mm-hmm. like uh, our DNA. So um, I think that we have a lot of work to do in Latin America. We are just starting the, the gender pay gap is enormous 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, there's a lot of things to do with any of any of the ERG related uh, topics that I told you about. I mean, people with disabilities, women, gender, pride, the planet, etc. So um, I think that it's a very uh, inspiring future because we have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But people is paying attention more and more. I mean, media and uh, this, um, you know, our customers, there's customers that are uh, asking for um, when they are evaluating different providers, they are taking into account the things that are related to diversity and to corporate so, um, responsibility and environment. And that can tell you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, how has the current situation affected what you do? You know, I have been working from home for four years now. <laughs> so for me, it was not like a very uh, shocking thing. Uh, for many people, not only Adele, but in general, it's been hard. Uh, not only because... Um, because you you have to learn to work from home, but uh, I mean not at Dell obviously, but many companies have problems to get their employees to work remotely because they didn't have the infrastructure for doing that. But for me, thank God, it was okay. My husband works here at uh, at home as well, like for many years, less than the less than than the years that I have but we didn't have that curve that, that <laughs> learning curve of uh, you know learning to work from home and then uh-huh. work with your uh, partner so we are kind of lucky when <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 one of my interviewees who uh who worked from home before said that her house had been invaded when <laughs> yeah yeah like i i told you like i i am hiding in my bedroom between my office and my kids that are outside and i had to lock the door because if not they are going to enter like that just like that like hey mom and this is this is something that it's getting pretty common when you are in a conference call everybody at home is going to at some point cross through the, um, you know, to the, uh, to the video cam or whatever, or you can hear dogs barking and cat, cats meow, meowing. How uh-huh. do you pronounce that? I, <laughs> and uh, that is very funny. And uh, it's the new normal, you know, mm-hmm. and people know that we have the kids 24 seven and uh, they have needs and uh I think that I don't know if you remember that video of uh, of this guy that was interviewed with uh, the BBC, and uh, that was a huge thing. And now it's like so natural uh-huh. to see, even in the news, you can see that images like very often. Uh-huh. And nobody bats an eye. Yeah, exactly. Because, for example, I have a a close space here, but if you live in a loft. I mean, you cannot help it. It's mm-hmm. like, and the smaller kids are, you know, more uh, demanding than than the the, you know, the big kids that can be a little more independent. 
-hmm. independent. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh -huh. how, how was homeschooling for you? Uh, I wouldn't call it uh, like homeschooling, but <laughs> remote uh, remote learning <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it was like uh, like they had to adapt with what they had. Mm -hmm. And it was so sudden. And for example, some of the, the, the teachers at uh, my, my children's school, they didn't have, uh, for example, internet bandwidth that was enough for having this um, like virtual lessons. At, at first, it was kind of hard and there was a lot of confusion and uh, they sent a link that wouldn't work. But at the end, uh, I mean, uh, I have two kids and uh, the little one is eight. He turned nine during the pandemic <laughs> and um, he didn't know how to use the copy machine and how to scan. And then uh, I would say like the second week, he would go to the homework and scan it, rename it and send it <laughs> like himself everything by himself so they got very responsible and they learn a lot i mean not not all the schools did the same amount of uh, work or some they would have only like one hour per day or they would have like from 8 to 1 p.m and hours they had like um scattered the 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 lessons were not on top of the other. Mm -hmm. They had time for breaks and everything. And they kind of, um, they did it well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was, um, I was happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what things do you like about Mexico? Um, I would say that people is very caring. They are very open. They will always uh, welcome anyone local or you know uh, visitors or people that um, just move to live here we are very uh, friendly and uh, that is like a like Mexican people what do I like about Mexico of course the food is so <laughs> good it's very good the music um, the nature uh, it's kind of unfortunate that you cannot travel too much right now, but um, I would say that you have everything. You have a, if you come to Mexico, you can have like the um, the foodies, uh, touristic um, like uh, adventure, or you can go to ruins, or you can go to museums. Uh, go figure that Mexico is a country with more museums in mm -hmm. the world. So uh, it's very cool. And you always have something different to do. And um, if you want to stay home, you can stay home and invite people. And uh, you are always going to have a, a, a good time. We are very friendly. We are very, um, I would say that we are happy people in general. And uh, we are very loyal with uh, our families we are kind of uh, like italian families that we are very very close 
and uh, we depend on each other and we count on each other. Uh, um, and I think that that is something that I like very much about my country. Mm-hmm. People is really, really caring. Mm-hmm. Is is there anything that you would change about Mexico? Um, yeah, I <laughs> I am not going to go into politics. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that uh, right now it's kind of frustrating that you cannot just take your car and go on a trip because you can, and it's not something that it's going to happen, but it's kind of risky. You know, it's a risky move. And uh, I don't know, a few um, years ago, two decades ago, I used to travel all over Mexico by car and uh, nothing happened. But right now people is, um, you know the narco and uh, the it's it's kind of uncertain. You never know if you are going to be lucky or not. But um, I would say that that is a a bummer right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what advice would you give uh, to somebody who's thinking of coming to Mexico? I would say that uh, they they should plan ahead a little bit. Um, you have totally different profiles of a traveler here in Mexico. And uh, I mentioned that before, if you are more interested in the cultural, um, you know, uh, if you if you are more, more like a cultural visitor, you can plan ahead and visit several museums. There's some really cool tours in the historic district or downtown that you can take or you can just like uh, pick a different uh, beach and you can go and surf or you can have like the super chic destination or the super hippie one that you are going to be having uh, a lot of fun, uh, of fun, either of, uh, of those that you pick. Um, you have so many different things and um I think that it will depend on what you want to do. But if you can plan ahead, it's better. Mm-hmm. And another thing regarding safety is that you have to use your common sense. And when I told, uh, when, when I am telling you plan ahead, you have to, um, to get to know where you are going to be. So you have no surprises. Like, for example, you don't want to be caught in a kind of bad neighborhood at night. But you can pick a good neighborhood uh, and have dinner there and uh, take a walk and uh, have a super good experience. Use your common sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that applies to everywhere. Um, just don't come and uh, be flashy about things that you own and uh, bring uh, like a big camera and uh, just be uh, alert. Mm-hmm. Just be alert and uh, be open to try new things. I would say, uh, not only on a, from a food perspective, <laughs> but for everything. Uh-huh. And uh, Mexico is going to give you a very good um, experience. I I really love uh, traveling in Mexico and uh, receiving friends and uh, show my country to them. 
Um, and I think that when you receive someone uh, from from uh, abroad and you can, you know, bring them to a different experience, uh, like from the people that live here, mm-hmm. it it leaves you or it leaves the, the person that you are, um, you know, hosting with a totally different experience. And every single time that I receive, uh, you know, visitors, I will bring them to know uh, museums. And uh, one of my favorite spots in the, in the city for me, and then that I really like to show off about is Coyoacán, for example, mm. or San Angel. And I will bring them to actually to sit on a market <laughs> and it's not like a, a street food, but uh-huh. kind of, mm-hmm. and they just love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like to show that Mexico mm-hmm. to to the, the visitors. Yeah. That's not something you, you do if you went on your own, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, I'm quite. I live quite near to Coyoacan, so it is. It's. It's. it's yeah? a nice Place. Yeah. I love it. I <laughs> love it. Love it. Love. Yeah. And um, usually it's so crowded that we don't go very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every single time that I have visitors, I will bring them <laughs> to Coyoacan, and I have discovered um, this uh, new tour that I, I can bring them to Museo Dolores Olmedo, that it's really close to Xochimilco. So we visit Xochimil- Museo Dolores Olmedo, that it's beautiful. Mm. Then uh, a few hours in Xochimilco, and then we go to, to Coyoacán. So it's like mm-hmm. a full trip. <laughs> yeah, everything. in one yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's super cool. It is. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. I love it. Totally. Um. Have you got any uh, new projects coming up or anything else that you'd like to recommend? Well, um, you know, work is always changing. I, I called uh, working at Dell, like, um, it's like dog years. <laughs> like, <laughs> the pace is really fast. And uh, this, um, this training that I was telling you about, it used to be face-to-face. And now we have to turn that into a virtual experience. So that mm-hmm. is coming and it's going to be really cool to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you have you uh found much kind of resistance to, to this from, from the employees or are they kind of uh, no. accepting of it? No, no, no. No, they love it. They mm-hmm. love it. And right now, I mean this training, it's about it goes in different um topics. So diversity, inclusion. Then uh, you have um, bias. Mm-hmm. You have microaggressions. You have privilege. And now we are adding an anti-racism mm-hmm. model as well. So, uh, no, it's... I wouldn't say, like, life-changing, but uh-huh. it hits you hard. And mm-hmm. you start realizing how many things you were doing without noticing. And for uh-huh. example, privilege. I mean, uh-huh. I always, because you become, first you you get trained and you can become a facilitator. And when you're a facilitator, uh, 
you discover a lot of things, even myself that I have been doing this training. I have done it in Mexico, in Colombia, in Peru, and in Chile, and outside and inside the company. And every single one is different. And for example, mm -hmm. when I was in Colombia, we have this, um, it's a, we call it partnership walk. And we had this, um, this exercise uh, where you have to, you are in, in one side of the room and you have to walk and turn around and see who, um, who is in the other side of the room mm -hmm. when we ask a, ask a question. And one of those questions was like, do you consider yourself an introverted? And when I was in Colombia, I said like, no one is going to walk. Mm -hmm. And more than half of the people walked to the other side of the room. And I was mm -hmm. like, I had a huge bias on that. Like considering mm -hmm. that every single Colombian is a happy people that loves to dance. <laughs> and it was not about that, you know, uh -huh. and uh, it's so amazing. And uh, people just start noticing like privileges in UK. You can probably walk at any time during the night. And you mm -hmm. don't have to have your keys uh, on your hand being prepared for anything that could jump from, you know, any corner. So uh -huh. you start um, getting to know your your privileges. Or for example, mm -hmm. we have a team member that it's a, a transgender woman here. And uh, when you are at the office, you just, um, you know, feel like you need to go to the loo, as you call it. Mm -hmm. and, um, <laughs> and you just step out of your desk, go to the restroom and come back. And at some point, she couldn't go to either bathroom mm -hmm. when she was transitioning. Yeah. So that is a huge privilege that you never realize. Or mm -hmm. what is the first thing that you do when you arrive to, uh, when you are on vacation and you arrive to a new hotel? What do you do? The first thing when you get into the room, what do you uh, do? I don't know. I guess you unpack, go to the loo, freshen up. Well, <laughs> I, the first thing that I do, and many, many people do the same thing. Um, I open the curtain and see the view. Uh -huh. <laughs> so right. there's people that the first thing that they have to do is to check if the wheelchair is going to fit in the restroom mm -hmm. or in the shower. And you start realizing how many privileges do you have? And, uh, and those are questions that we do in the section of privileges. Like, mm -hmm. Do you have to think if wearing your favorite dress is going to talk about your sexual availability? Mm -hmm. Things like that, that you just don't realize unless someone tells you like you have a huge privilege and you have to mm -hmm. own it, you know? So it's, it's super interesting. So I have never uh, found resistance. I mean, mm -hmm. people 
most of the people wants to want to become a facilitator after they have this training. Mm-hmm. And that right now that we have to have a pause uh, because we were not prepared to have like more than 100,000 people to go on this training virtually. They have been, um, you know, like reaching out to me like, hey, how is this going? I want to restart. I want to give, you know, some sessions. And uh, there's a lot of interest. And not only from Dell, from, but from customers that when, when we talk about this, they, they find it really interesting. And they want us to, you know, to teach them how to do it. And um, I just had a session with a, with a friend of mine that works for, for a huge entertainment company to talk about how ERGs can, you know, be brought to the media messaging, for example. Mm-hmm. So you are telling stories. I am just telling you stories. And for example, mm-hmm. this true ability ERG that we have, it started in Brazil because one of our colleagues there had an accident and she lost a leg. And when she returned back to the office, she started noticing that she couldn't do uh, her work in mm-hmm. a proper way because there were no conditions for that. Yeah. So... And uh, you can you can affect the whole company because that ERG now is present in almost every single office in in Dell, and it was just because one individual noticed that we were not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So it's super wow. cool. I love my yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> I love what I do now. So, I was talking there to Paulina Lopez Noriega, who lives in Mexico City. Over the course of this series, I'm going to be interviewing people from all over the place about their experiences of living in Mexico. If you live in Mexico and would like to take part, please get in touch by writing to feedback at mexicooverthewall.com or you can send us a voice message via Facebook Messenger at mexicooverthewall.com slash messenger. Please support the podcast by giving us a review, which you can do via mexicooverthewall.com slash apple for Apple Podcasts if you have an iOS device or iTunes, or you can review us on Stitcher by going to mexicooverthewall.com slash stitcher. You can also support us with hard cash by sponsoring us on Patreon. One of the benefits of sponsorship is that you can get extended versions of these interviews. Go to patreon.com slash mexicooverthewall for more details. That's it for this episode. Hope you liked it. See you next time. Thank you.